Hi, I'm Karen and I'm one of the pastors at Les Murdy Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for this message. What you will experience is part of our regular service. And if you would like to join us for a full service at either 9.30 or 5 on a Sunday, please just type lbc.online.church into your web browser. Well, here we are in phase three of the government's COVID-19 response this weekend, in fact. The new normal that we've been talking about is coming at us. Uh, too fast for some, I'm sure, and not fast enough, I'm sure, also for others. But it is nonetheless coming at us, this new normal. And as I've been thinking over the last week or two, uh, it occurred to me that the devastation that we were anticipating a few months ago, here in WA at least, has not really come to pass. Now, I'm not making light of the devastation that has been experienced by many people in other parts of the world, and certainly not taking away from the heartache and hurt and grief that many people in Australia and some in WA too have experienced because of COVID-related deaths, and also for many of us because of some of the other things like restrictions and not being able to visit people that we love and perhaps who have been near the ends of their life in hospital. Um, restrictions over weddings and funerals and even just the anxiety of, of thinking, well, if I did need to get to someone that I care about in a hurry, I couldn't because of travel restrictions. So I don't want to diminish those things at all, but even so, as we started out a few months ago, the board and Josh and I thought we would be spending many, many months with the main focus of our sermon themes and our communication being uh, around how to help you, how to help us cope uh, with the heartache and grief and the unknown that we are facing. And we don't want to stop doing that for sure. But it's occurred to Josh and I in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, with the way things are panning out and are changing for us that it's probably time that we did a little bit of a refocus on what is essentially the core business uh, for us as a church family. And that core business is really for us to be living lives that reflect, that point to the fact that Jesus has defeated death. Our core business is to be uh, living lives that bring life into our community. And you know, the basic way, the simple way we do that is by ourselves living lives that reflect the works and the words and the ways of Jesus. It's what the Bible and in church speak we call uh, being disciples or discipleship. Okay, disciples. What do you think of when you think of that word disciple or being a disciple? Uh, what do you think of? What images come to mind when you hear the word discipleship? Why don't you take 20 seconds wherever you are sitting to talk about that. Kids, have a chat with mum and dad. If you're there in your lounge room alone watching, then pop your responses in the chat and I'll respond to you there. What comes to mind when you think about the word disciple? How did you go? Let's take a moment to have a listen to uh, Sue Davidson, one of the people in our church family, and what she has to say about what she understands about being a disciple. For many years, I have believed that after a person made a commitment to follow Christ, the follow-up should be discipleship classes, where they would be taught and encouraged to pray, read the Bible, attend worship services, go through the waters of baptism and become members of their church. And this was not my responsibility. As I have been thinking and learning with a few others at LBC about it, 
what it means to be and make disciples, I am learning that it is my responsibility to be constantly aware that God might want to use me to speak to someone in whose heart he has been working. It involves me trusting God that he will lead me and being aware all the time of his love for everyone and being ready for him to use me. Thanks, Sue. You know, for a very long time, many of us in churches have thought about discipleship as something that happens uh, once you have come to faith, once you have made a declaration that, that says Jesus is Lord. And, you know, usually then discipleship takes on the form of uh, being involved in some sort of program, learning some disciplines. It's something that perhaps pastors or church leaders should be involved in, in teaching and training people in. But the question that I want to introduce to us today is this one. What if discipleship is actually something that starts on the other side of faith, on the other side of conversion, before you can say that you believe in Jesus? What if it is actually leaning into the words and the works and the ways of Jesus on the way to faith, on the way to conversion? I mean, where did we actually get that idea from anyway, that, you know, we are discipled after faith instead of that other idea of being discipled to faith? I've been thinking in the week about uh, Jesus and his followers and the, and the 12 uh, special disciples, apostles that he called. You know, he called those 12 from a much larger group of followers. And it's true to say of the 12 and of that larger group of followers that they were a long way from being fully clued up about who Jesus was and what it is that he had come to do when they became followers. It was the same for the 12 when they became disciples. I mean, they did know a little about his words because they'd been part of the crowds listening to the stories that he told. They certainly knew something about his works because they had been witnesses to some extraordinary miracles. But I don't think at the time uh, that they became disciples, those 12 in particular, they knew a lot about his ways, other than knowing somehow deeply inside that there was something different, something extraordinary about the ways of this man, Jesus. So I want to read you one of the stories that, that tell or recount for us how Jesus called the 12 apostles. This one is from Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 12. You can listen or read along in your own Bibles. The story goes like this. One day, soon after Jesus had healed a man with a withered hand on a Sabbath day, he went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, so that's a large group of followers, and chose 12 of them to be uh, apostles or special disciples. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, another James, this one the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples, so those twelve, stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the sea coasts of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases 
and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. Okay, now where you are sitting in your lounge room, wherever you are participating in this online service today, can you choose one of you, one of you volunteer, to tell the rest of the group that you are sitting with that story again in your own words. You don't have to mention all the names of the disciples if you don't want to, but take a few minutes, we'll give you 30 seconds or so, uh, to, to retell the story that you just heard in your own words. Have a go. How did you go with that? And those of you that were listening to the other person retell the story, what did you notice as you listened? Did you find that they uh, mentioned things that you certainly would have highlighted? Were there things that you thought, oh gosh, I would, have, I would have said that this way or highlighted that this way? Maybe there were things that they didn't mention at all that really stood out to you. So we're going to take a little bit of time now and this is an opportunity for everybody to share. Again, if you're sitting by yourself, put your comments in the chat and I'll respond to those. What stood out to you when you heard this story? What was particularly significant to you as you heard the words of the story of Jesus calling the 12 disciples? You might like to carry on that conversation over morning tea or lunch after our services or if you're watching in the evening, over your, your evening meal. It's an interesting thing to, to hear the different things that were highlighted to people. I'm going to take some time now to tell you some of the things that stood out to me. The first thing I've really already mentioned, I guess, and the thing that stood out to me was that the 12 were part of a bigger group of men and women, all of whom were disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, well before they knew who he was and what he was, what he was going to do, what he had come to do. They were disciples or followers of Jesus well before they realised that Jesus had come to defeat death and bring new life to their communities. They were uh, followers of Jesus before they prayed a prayer saying Jesus is Lord. Before they were baptised in the name of Jesus and in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Before they knew enough uh, Christian theology to teach an awesome Sunday school lesson or preach a life-changing sermon. They were followers of Jesus. These people were disciples really because they were interested in Jesus. They were disciples because they felt compelled uh, to be close to Jesus. Kids, if you're listening, that simply means, uh, when I say compelled, that, that they, they couldn't resist going to where Jesus was. They wanted to hear him. They wanted to be with him. They, they were super curious to find out more about what he said and why he was saying it and why he was doing all the things that he was doing. So that's one thing I noticed. They were followers and disciples of Jesus before they really understood who he was and what he had come to do. Another thing I've noticed, which I'm sure you did as well, some of you did, is that Jesus spent all night praying to his father before he chose the 12 disciples, before he chose the 12 that were going to be, uh, he was going to be particularly close with over the next few years. And just one more thing for now that I noticed, and that is that these 12 disciples learned from Jesus how to live like Jesus. The story says that they stood with Jesus and they watched him speak and heal and do all sorts of amazing things that just didn't seem possible. They stood with him and they watched how he loved people and cared for people. I think it's true to say they were discipled to faith. They lived with Jesus, 
and they watched him and they copied him. They were discipled to faith in Jesus, whom one day they did realize is God's own son, come into the world to defeat death and brokenness and to bring God's kingdom with the promise of the good life that we are created for, for all human beings. You know, some other people who have looked at this story have seen a pattern which can be translated into a triangle. A helpful pattern, I think, and an easy thing for us to remember. It's going to be up on the screen. And the dimensions of this triangle are simply up, in and out. Let's start with up. All the stories uh, that reflect Jesus' life on this earth show again and again that Jesus spent time looking up to his Father God. He did that privately in prayer and worship and he did that publicly along with his disciples and other followers. He also he went to well, church, not really church like we know it, but to the temple and synagogue and he looked up. And you know, because the disciples learned to look up from Jesus, that's what they taught the early church. They learned to look up privately and publicly and they taught that to the early church. It's an important thing for individuals and the gathered people to do. Take time to look up to God the Father. Then there's that dimension uh, labelled in. That's what Jesus was doing when he chose uh, the twelve. It, it wasn't that he was suddenly disregarding the rest of the people. They mattered to him still and he was engaged with them. But he chose 12 with whom he was going to live intimately. And they became like a family, really. And you know what it's like in families. We see the best and the worst. You know, families are people that we love dearly, that we, that we fall out passionately with. They're the people that we know most intimately, that we are, 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 and know really well. And they are hopefully the people who know us really, really well as well. And because, you know, the disciples saw that in Jesus because they learnt about this looking in with Jesus that was also something that they taught the early church they taught the early church the importance of having a small group of people where you are known and a small group of people that you know really really well and you know something I want to tell you it does not matter if you do not know the names of every person that uh, calls LBC their church family what really matters is that there are a small group of people whose names and lives you know well. And in that same small group of people uh, that, that you find that you are known really well in that space as well. Okay, so Jesus was intentional about looking up, intentional about uh, looking into a few chosen people, so up to his father, in to a few chosen people. But, you know, he was also very deliberate about looking out to the wider world around him. You can see that in that story we read. And he looked out with all the love and the power and grace of God to the wider community. He noticed what people needed. He spent time with people. He healed people. He spoke with people. He proclaimed a new way of living and he inspired people to choose attitudes and actions that build people up in relationship and do not tear them down. And because the disciples watched Jesus and his out focus, they taught the early church to do the same. They taught the early church to look up and be connected to their Father God. They taught the early church to, to be known well in a small space, but they also taught them to look out to the needs and the well-being of the wider community. Up, in, out. You know, that's the way Jesus lived. 
and it's the way his disciples watched and learned and copied and then taught the early church to live. Up, in and out. It's a great pattern for my life, a great pattern for your life. It's a, a great and helpful pattern for us as we look at our life as a church family. And you know what? We need all three as individuals and as a group. We're all wired differently. And one of those dimensions is probably easier for you to do, easier for me to do. You know, perhaps you're a natural up person. You love to spend time connecting with God individually and corporately. Uh, perhaps you're naturally in that in space and maybe both of those things. You'd love to get together with a few people that you know well and where you, you are known and, and, and connect with God in that space. Some of us are more naturally wired to the out and it's, the, it's as easy as breathing to think about the needs of the wider community. But it's pretty clear from the life of Jesus that we need all of those in, in, in all of our gatherings. We need them as individuals and we need them in our small groups, in our ministry teams. We need to be up, in and out people. And we need to be like that because Jesus was. We need to be like that because we want to point people to what Jesus has done to defeat death and bring new life into our communities. It's a way really of following Jesus. It's a way of leaning into the words and the works and the ways of Jesus. And what I'd like to encourage you to do, I think it would be great mums and dads if you can do this with your kids and your family excellent for life groups, ministry teams to do this. Maybe you want to sit and even do a bit of a stock take of the church as a whole over this next week. How are we doing in those uh, up, in and out spaces? And we've attached to the notes in the service today some reflection questions to help you with that. If you don't get a chance to download them from there today, they were also attached to the email that went out on Friday. So, so you can uh, grab a hold of them. I, I really want to invite you to do a little bit of a stock take because we are going to be spending time over these next weeks thinking about what it means to be uh, disciples and what it means to be disciples who make disciples.